On this episode of Podcastification, I am talking with Hall of Fame podcaster, women's advocate, yoga instructor, and all-around peach of a person, Elsie Escobar. My name is Carrie Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. Podcastification is all about you, teaching you how to podcast, how to put into practice the best practices that I and my team have learned in working with hundreds of clients. You are going to podcast better from listening to this show. If you like what you hear on Podcastification, please just hit the pause button, swipe to the sharing function on your app, and share this episode with somebody you know will benefit. And if you'd like to get in on more Podcastification goodness, you can do it by subscribing to our Podcast Optimizer email series. And I promise you, you won't get lots of junk. You'll just get one actionable email a week. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer. That is enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Elsie Escobar, we finally got this conversation going. How are you doing? I'm well. I mean, if people really actually knew what went down behind the scenes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was my fault. It was your fault. It was everybody's fault. And then the technology didn't work. And... I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm glad we're finally here. I know. I'm really glad to have this conversation. This is actually one of my favorite conversations to be having. Yeah, social media. You really seem to like social media. Tell me why. I really love testing things out. I mean, bottom line, that's what it is. It's like I am I am sort of like one of those people that from the beginning, which is why I started podcasting. It was like, oh, this is new. That's one of the reasons I started podcasting. But it was because I started listening to podcasts. Everybody that I was listening to way back in the day were talking about all of these new places to be. Twitter was just new back then. And Facebook hadn't even been a thing yet. And I don't know if you remember this at all, Carrie, but do you remember, I think it was called Frapper Maps? Sorry, yeah, Frapper Maps. barely. Yeah, so, so yeah, so there was that Frapper Maps thing. And then there was the first way back again, um, but it was like a podcasting show about podcasting with, of course, Rob and Paul Culligan and Podcast Pickle. I always remember his name like that first, which is sad. Um, <laughs> but Pickle, yeah. I know, but I remember that. And then they were doing it via this call-in service that had all this chat community. And so anytime any podcaster mentioned a new whatever, I would, cli I would go into it because I wanted to get to know it. It was with like Twitter and I think Kevin Rose started it and that didn't go wow. very well. Um, so anyway, I tested all of these things out. And so anytime something came up, I started to chat into it and I really developed a love for navigating community and seeing how things worked and when they didn't work and what made them work. And because I tested out so many different things, I kind of have like sort of like an intuitive insight into, into doing what I do now. For Libsyn, right? Yeah. Let's talk about that. You're the community manager at Libsyn. That sounds like it could be a catch-all title or it could be a very specific title. Why don't you fill us in on exactly what that means for you? I kind of ended up like giving it to myself because I was like, I'm not even sure what the heck's going on here. Because at first I used to do a lot more on the blog. So I would do a lot more blog content, right? And then I started to see that that blog content 
required a way for people to go to it. Duh, right? And so then social media became very important. It was like, well, why aren't we sharing this somewhere else so that you can't just... I subscribe to a bunch of RSS feeds. That's how I get my news, but most people don't do that. So I started to go like, oh, we need other places to be. And then I sort of was like, okay, let's start doing this Twitter thing for sure. And uh, let's get into the Facebook page. And so I started to kind of cultivate that exposure and then realized very, and that's what happens is like, you can't just go into social media and then just share your blog articles, right? Just your stuff. There has to be a reason beyond just sharing your things that you're doing there. And in the process, I started to kind of create an opportunity for uh, conversations, cultivating community, like why else would you be on social media? Why else would I have this account? Oh, to connect with other podcasters. Oh, to have conversations. Oh, to help people out. Oh, to answer this question. And that started to become content in addition to also creating the Lipson podcast. So the Lipson podcast is also part of this community building process. And that also adds, so social media, the blog content, the podcast creation and distribution and, you know, all of the things that I do with that. that. And also whenever I do show up for conference and events, I do coverage as much as I possibly can to be able to do that kind of stuff too. And I have done recordings on the scene and stuff like that, but I'm not particularly good in the post. <laughs> um, so I'm still trying to figure that out because I love to do the content. And then when I come home, I'm so exhausted that I have so much content, just files upon files of amazing stuff that I've never shared. Because, yeah, because yeah. Because it's too hard. <laughs> I totally get that. I think every podcaster can understand that. Now, there's something you said there when you were talking about social media that I want to dig into a little bit more. You mentioned, why am I here? Why am I posting things? And I think a related question I'm sure you agree with is, why should people care that I'm posting things? Talk to me a little bit about that. How do you develop a, I don't know, a rapport with people that enables them to actually care that you're actually posting things that might be helpful to them. Does that question make sense at all? Yeah, it does make sense. And I think that that's a very smart question because most people don't ask that. In a general sense, most people don't care. They don't. They will see things, but they won't ever cling to it, right? So asking that question in the way that you did is is really important because that's kind of, I started from a position of, how can I, and then these were the two questions. One of them was, how can I be of service to our community? Like, how can I help them with what? And it wasn't like I came up with my own idea of what would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like, that wasn't it. It was actually seeing conversations. So first listening, seeing conversations, seeing what people are asking about and trying to connect, especially when we have a solution based on that, right? So if there's somebody asking a specific question, like as lame as this might be, but if somebody's asking a question about hosting, obviously, we would like to get into in that conversation because we do have a solution. If somebody's asking a question about how many times you need to promote your show after it's published, I'm not going to dive into that conversation as Libsyn, because that's not really, we don't have an actual solution for that. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would pr- possibly answer that as Elsie, the podcast consultant or, you know, strategist. I could do that because then you could possibly hire me to do that. But those are two different things. Yeah. And the other question that I had, it wasn't necessarily about our audience, but it was all about our team. So how can I help our support team and our dev team either get answers to some questions they might have about our users or be able to provide the answers to our users that they are giving that maybe they're missed in some way. Because I feel that at this moment, that that is possibly the biggest challenge that you know any business might have is being able to make sure that those that need to get the answers to their questions get them. And I think that that's really at the core of my work is making sure that they know. And it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. There is, in all kinds of businesses, you know, the larger they get, the more complicated this gets. But in all kinds of businesses, there needs to be constant interaction and communication between the different departments within the business, all for the sake of making everybody's job easier and more effective. And that's part of what you're talking about when you're talking about your team. You know, your customer service reps need to know what people on social are asking about so that they can be better equipped to answer those questions. And then vice versa, they need to be communicating with you people who are doing all the social about what they're getting asked so that you can then be proactive and address those issues for them. And maybe they won't get quite as many calls on that topic if if you're good at it. I see that happen in sales companies all the time. You know, the salespeople are out there trying to sell what they think they should be selling, but they're not talking to the customer service folks who are actually getting the calls from existing customers and know what are the pain points and what are the things that people want answers to. Uh, you know, if they could work together in tandem a little bit better, they'd really, you know, amplify their their whole customer experience, I think. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mentioned something earlier about your, uh, your video of social media best practices that you've done for Libsyn. And you, there's one point you made in there where you said you have to start by being honest with yourself when it comes to deciding how you're going to use social media as a podcaster. First of all, I want to ask you to define what you mean by that, being honest with yourself. If somebody comes out of the gate, you know, you have your show and you want everybody to listen to your show, right? And it's like you have all the things going on, which most podcasters do. Like some of us have full-time jobs. Some of us are doing this as our work. But um, given the fact that it's our work, it still takes a lot of time to create a show, edit the show, you know, do all the things, come up with the content for the show, prepare for the show, like all those things are very, very time consuming. And the majority of us put the biggest amount of time into that part. Okay. And then so you put it out there. And then afterwards, it's sort of like a just, oh, my God, I have to put that show out. I have to tell people about it. Okay, here we go. And then you just kind of spit it out. And your question is, how many different places can I put this? And when the question needs to first be just what I just said is you have to be honest with yourself and how much time do you have to engage? How much time do you have to not only get to know the platform that you want to focus on, but also really look at your life and then see where you're hanging out. Because if you're hanging out on Facebook and you're a Facebook person and you love Facebook and you're in there all the time and you know how it works, there's really no reason for you to start to go to a different place if you don't really have the time to invest in being there. It's not going to grow unless you're there and you know the way that it works. I'm not saying that you 
shouldn't want to learn maybe another platform and whatnot, right? But you should also you just be honest with how much time you have to create powerful content beyond your podcast or, you know, impactful content to get the word out about your show within a platform. Because it takes a long time. I have to say, I spend just creating content. Sometimes it's really easy, like I'll uh, have like 30 minutes and I'm done for the day and creating content to get the word out. And then there's times when I'm there for like maybe two and a half, three hours trying to, I'm like, okay, what, what's going to be? For me, it's really important to tap into the conversation that's going with my audience versus, hey, listen to our next episode and just have it be that. That is what's going to bring people back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think every podcaster who's published more than five episodes can totally relate with that scenario you set up where, you know, life is just busy and you have all these demands on your time, plus the publication of your podcast and making those choices about where am I going to dedicate my time when it comes to social media is Mm -hmm. vital. You can't expect, especially at the beginning, you can't expect to be, although he does a great job, Pat Flynn always says, you know, be everywhere. I don't think you can be everywhere when you first start. You just don't have the time or the personal bandwidth to be everywhere, at least not effectively in a way that's engaging like you described. Let's dig into that a little bit. When you say engaging content, I have a feeling you mean more than just a clickbaity headline. You mean personally engaging. So define that for me and give us some examples. You can actually get some of this stuff inside of that video. And I also have a Trello board that I can share with you so that you can put it on the show because there's a Trello board of all this content. Yeah, perfect. So the content, these are some of the key things that I have in there. One of them is the basics. So what is the basics of marketing your show inside of social media. It's really general, and this is completely general, short and long form posts about your podcast as a whole. So this isn't like an episode thing. This is like short form is the name of your show. Let's say, did you know that I have, you know, my one of my shows, She Podcasts, okay? So did you know that I host, I co-host a show called She Podcast is a podcast for women who podcast. Click the link, right? That's a general post and that's short. Then we have a long form type, which is slightly longer than that. Same thing, introduction to the podcast. Like, what can you expect from listening to She Podcast? Or you, you know, you can just really just create a few of those that are variations on your name and what your show is about, really short, and then a little bit deeper, right? Like, why would you want to listen to the show? Blah, blah, blah. And it's promoting those. That's the basics. And you should have those. Like, I like to put those inside of a, on a, text file, like a plain text file. You can use a Google Doc or something like that and just kind of like sit down and brainstorm all that stuff. Those are like basics and you can copy and paste those and even share them once or twice a month. Like I'm not saying a lot. I'm saying like maybe the first week of the month, it's all about promoting your show, like letting people know about it and what it is and why they should listen. And they're really, really, really simple. Those are the basics. And the other one is your the same concept for, for your episodes. So you can have like more Twitter type posts for an episode, which is very short, maybe just the headline of your show that could be of that episode, whatever the title is, and a link and boom, you're done, right? That's one. Or you can have the longer posts where you can say what is in it find out these three things from my episode, or I had the opportunity to talk to so-and-so and and we talked about all these things and you can get a little deeper 
in those, depending on where you are. Like you can get much longer if you're on Instagram to kind of create a little bit of, of a longer story as to why somebody should listen to the show a little behind the scenes and then tell them where to find it. So those are real basic things, but varied stuff. So I would say minimum, maybe three short posts and two long posts. I'm just to give, you know, a general idea. You don't have to do it like that. Yeah. And then that yeah. way it it's super easy for you to go and you can go ahead and put that stuff out, right? That's when it's just your own show stuff. But that's not just your entire like feed on Twitter or your entire feed on whatever network you're in isn't just going to be about your show. And this is where it starts to come. This is how these are the other things that I have. There's podcasting excitement. <laughs> these are my favorite. So podcasting excitement are posts that you put out when you're in the podcasting zone. So this is like when you're about to record. This is when you're recording. This is when you're editing. This is when you're, you know, your interviewee, like somebody that you interviewed. And so what you do with these is like, you'll do something like that on Twitter and be like, I'm getting ready to talk to Corey and record the show, you know, tweet, <laughs> so, that kind of stuff. Or on Instagram, you have a picture. You can maybe do a selfie of you recording your show. Like there's no link there. It's just podcasting excitement. It's what's going on behind the scenes. It's, oh my gosh, I finally got to meet so-and-so that I interviewed on my show 10 episodes ago. This is so great. The end. The other one is your other stuff. So this is another basic focus theme, your other stuff. And that what is that? Your other stuff is other things that you've done, blog posts, um, videos that you've done, personal posts that are also part of your social media live. If you have, let's say sometimes people have separate accounts, one of them for your podcast, and then the other one that's a personal thing. Some people do that. It's up to you. This is when you, it's really great to cross post like your personal stuff into that account just to fill it up a little bit. You can retweet or reshare from those accounts and that's super fine. So this is a little bit more of all of the extra stuff that you're doing, the other things that you happen to be doing in your life, because most of us have that. Then synchronistic content is another one that I really love, which is, let's say, I have a class for Elsie's yoga class. That was my first podcast. I have not produced an episode in five years, so please don't, <laughs> don't go over there and start listening. It's really kind of embarrassing, the audio quality. <laughs> but I did an episode for July 4th. Like, I taught a class in July 4th with a July 4th theme. So every July 4th, I will share that episode. Hey guys, if you haven't, if you remember my July 4th class from, you know, five years ago, here it is. <laughs> or, you know, something like that where it's very specific to that. And those really come into play when you have a back catalog full of stuff that is relevant to the conversation that's happening right now. So in She Podcast, we, we also did an episode where we were talking about packing for conferences. So anytime that we are going into a conference, you know, oh my gosh, people are getting ready to go to podcast movement. We will promote that episode because it's in alignment with the conversation. People are looking for that content. What do I take? You know, that kind of stuff. Everybody has a little something like that. And that's really great. Or an episode with a guest that like they're in the news now, somebody that you interviewed are in the news. That's when you put it out. Like really cool. So it's, Stuff like that where you can, that's extra content to your feed that is amazing. Let me ask you a question along that line. It's a little nuanced, so uh, bear with me here. I would like to hear your estimation 
or your opinion about the type of posting that is appropriate for the various platforms, if that makes sense. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. just the four big platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. What types of content are appropriate for Facebook that wouldn't necessarily be appropriate on LinkedIn and vice versa? It's very interesting how I skewed them a lot of the time. In fact, this is a question that you need to ask yourself, I think every single year or maybe even like twice a year to decide what is going to be going in there. Actually, I just did this like three days ago. I made a list and I put down the names of the places I wanted to be like really engaged. So right now for me, it's going to be Twitter and LinkedIn. That's it. The other places are going to be kind of like, it's just content is is going to be just uh, accentuated in those places. It's not going to be native to those places to build community there. I'm not, I don't want that. I don't want Facebook, Instagram in my life anymore. So I'm not going to be putting the, the time to cultivate community inside of those platforms, but I will have information out there. So that's the first thing that you need to ask for yourself whether or not you're actually going to be in there to build community or if it's going to be sort of like a way that to amplify your message and guide them back to where you want them to be. That's number one. So yes, and now in in terms of nuance, you have to answer that question yourself. Like I wrote down for Twitter, it's for personal stuff. That's the place where I'm gonna gonna go into there and then say like, oh my God, I just had the best cup of coffee I've ever had. It's so yummy. Like I'll have that post there. I have made a decision that that type of post is, is absolutely relevant to Twitter, for sure. So in terms of personal, I'm going to just allow my personal opinion to come out there, um, whether it's my personal life or whether it's a little bit more podcasting related. I am also going to be taking the seat and making posts that are a little bit more on the podcasting punditry side of things, which means that I'll probably be creating threads that are specific to Twitter. So I have an idea. This is something I need to talk about. And I will create a thread that is aimed at taking my seat as expert, if you will, in the industry as an industry voice. I have made that decision. Twitter is going to be the place that I'm going to do that. So I'm keeping that there. In LinkedIn, it's really going to be, for me, amplifying my work. So if I did an article somewhere, if I'm, you know, I was interviewed somewhere, if I have something, maybe a, a short tip that I can put in there with an image, that would be really great too. It's like super helpful to highlight my clients. That's a great place to put as well. So it's a little bit more professional. I am not going to go into LinkedIn to say, I just went into the the yummiest coffee shop store and it's like so yummy here. Like that's not the place where I'm going to do that. I'm going to be more specific about the stuff that I put in there. A little bit more streamlined, guided by a relevant graphics, maybe even creating a video specifically for LinkedIn. So I will make those decisions all based on that. And as of right now, Instagram and Facebook will be essentially repurposing like those longer Twitter threads that I'm planning on creating because that's going to be the platform that I want people to go to connect with me is going to be Twitter. So I can actually copy paste those longer Twitter threads and create them as longer Instagram posts with the same, like with an image, because Twitter doesn't require you to have an image. But on, um, what do you call it, on Instagram, you do, obviously, you need an image. So I will have a relevant image or something that I'm aligns with that. And my call to action will be 
to click through either to Twitter or my website, which I'm hoping also to start to sort of add and compile these sort of thought-provoking articles that I'm planning on writing. Mind you, all of this is, is just in my head. This is my strategy that I'm having to do that. Now, when it comes to Libsyn, so that I'll put my hat on as a um, sort of like a in a corporation and how that's going to be put out there, I generally create one piece of content and then adjust it based on the platform. Obviously, there are going to be some posts that are going to have longer than 280 characters, which are going to work better inside of LinkedIn and Facebook, but they are on its own going to land there and be there and even Instagram. Whereas on Twitter, I have to really pare things down. I have to make them smaller, more bite-sized. So I allow them to be essentially the same. And what's interesting to me is the way that the same piece of content lives in the different places and how it does so well in certain places and not so well in other places. Yeah, that is um, interesting. I still love to see what works where. And obviously in Instagram, there's some posts, especially when, what I, I haven't found a solution to this, by the way, where let's say I'm sharing, I just shared an article that was on at using Ferrite and an Apple Pencil to edit a show. And it was really cool. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so great. This is something that I can share with everybody in like on LinkedIn, on Facebook and Twitter. But on Instagram, I didn't share it there. I mean, what, what am I going to do? Where I'm going to put the link? It's not for us. It's not worth it. So skip that. <laughs> so um, you have to be more specific when it comes to a platform like Instagram, especially when you don't have the coveted 10,000 followers, because once you do have that, then you can add links and you'll be happy forever. <music> You know what? In life, I just feel like I am just growing up to be a child. Do you know what I mean by that? The longer you do things, the more you realize how much you don't really know. And I find out that that's the case in my life with my wife. I just think I know her and I think I know what I'm doing with her. And then voila, something happens that proves to me I still have a lot to learn. And, you know, I find that to be true in podcasting as well. I mean, I've got clients who are longtime podcasters. They've actually been podcasting longer than I've been producing podcasts. And I have clients who are brand new podcasters and don't know anything from square one. And the reason that I think my team is able to help them is because of the compound effect. You know what the compound effect is? It's where the more you do something, the effect of doing it gets larger and larger and larger as time goes on. And because we work with so many clients week in and week out, we're able to see a lot more of what goes on behind the podcasting scene than most people do just by producing one show. I mean, think about it. We produce over 40 shows every single week. That enables us to see a lot of glitches, a lot of mistakes, a lot of technical issues, a lot of best practices, a lot of things not to do. You get the idea. The reason I'm bringing all this up, the grown up to be a child thing and the compound effect, is because I think we all could use a dose of humility. We all could say, hey, I've got a lot to learn and I need some people to come alongside me who can help me learn those things. When it comes to your podcast, I would love to bring the compound effect of my experience in working with those 40-some clients to bear on your podcast. I can likely help you in a one-hour or two-hour session figure out some of the things you're missing, some of the things you're doing well and you could optimize better, and 
how to move that podcast to the next level or maybe two or three. If you're interested in podcast consulting, reach out to me, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y at podcastfasttrack.com. Let me give you a, a role play here because I really want to get into the shoes of people who I know are listening and where they're at in their podcasting journey. Let's say you are a brand new podcaster, Susie Smith. That's your name. But somehow through some science fiction sort of phenomenon, you have been given all the knowledge about social media that Elsie Escobar has been able to accumulate over her podcasting journey. And you're just starting out as a podcaster. What are the first three things you're going to do when it comes to getting going with a building community and sharing your resources on social media? From the get-go, if you're starting from scratch with all my knowledge in my head for Susie. So first of all, I'd start to think about what the handle is going to be. What's the easiest thing that I can create in terms of the, my social media handle? Because obviously there's there are differences. And I would want them to be the same. That's what I would think. It is a little bit of a challenge to do that nowadays. Back in the day, it was much easier. But now it's really hard to get the same handle everywhere because I'm sure one of them is going to be taken somewhere. But you do your best, you know, so right now, I ch- actually um, had a, a different handle, and I just rebranded and kind of changed it to the Elsie Escobar in there. And I couldn't get the Elsie Escobar for Facebook, I think, or something. And it, I ended up with Elsie Escobar official over there. But that's the first thing that I would do, that I would use a social, I find what I'm going to call myself on all these different places. And try and stay away from dashes as much as possible. So if you can have just the words, it would be fantastic. And clarity and common sense trump creativity. So don't try to come up with some weird handle that nobody's going to ever search for. Just get focused (laughs) on either the name of your show or your name and just do that, even though sometimes those are hard, but still do that. That's the first thing. And then the second thing that I would do is the description. The description is anything that obviously anybody's going to see when they bump into you inside of social media. And all of them have obviously different amounts of information that you can put in there. Some of it is like, you know, 110 characters to 140. And then there's, a they all vary, but they're sometimes it's super, super short. So this description is not for those that are already your people or know who you are, because those people don't need to read that. They already know you. So this description is for people who are just getting to know you. That's it. So when they get in there, they know exactly what you're about. And you can have the same description across all social media profiles, and you can expand it when you go to Facebook. And you also need to have the name of your show in there because there's, I cannot tell you, I'm telling you, Carrie, so many different times I go to people's stuff on Twitter and I don't even know they have a podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like number one. So that's what I would say. Make sure you write down the name of your podcast or that you have one for that matter. So um, that's the second thing. And the and make sure that you have clear language for that kind of stuff. So you don't try to get cutesy and you write that for the new person. This is not about inside jokes. This is all about being spot on on what you're about, right? That's it. And then the last thing that I would do is actually I would work on the graphics, I would work on visual branding because in a lot of these places like Twitter, especially, or actually even Facebook, there's a lot of people that are going to just see your avatar 
or your banner. And given the fact that you only get so little in terms of text that you can use to describe who you are, the images that you put out are really wonderful opportunities for people to know what you are about. So if it is a show, you know, you got to have either a variation of your podcast uh, logo, you know, your your artwork, or you can have it kind of match, or maybe you have three separate, you know, shows or something, you can have them very simply put on the right hand side or something. There's a lot of people that use the graphics to subscribe and Apple podcast and Google Play and that kind of stuff that put it up there as well, even though they're not clickable. But when you kind of scan it, you realize, oh, this person has has a show. <laughs> you know, this is very nice. I love it. Graphics, I think, are very important. And they're also a really wonderful opportunity to shift and change. And I know that these things are maybe not about marketing specifically, like how to get people to listen to your show. But you would be surprised how many people will end up going to a Twitter account or going to a Facebook account or an Instagram account. And they're just going to browse it. And they're going to check And if you do not draw their attention from that profile, you've kind of lost them. They have to know what you're about just from a glance. And I feel the biggest ball dropped for me for a lot of podcasters is that they don't pay attention to these basics. They like to speak to the insiders, you know, they because it's fun. It's it's fun for our shows. Especially when we love, you know, a specific type of TV show and there's like a lot of insider information or if we have a funky, you know, segment on the show that nobody really knows about, but our audience really loves, like we want to highlight that stuff. But unfortunately, that's really appealing to the people who are listening. (laughs) And a lot of the social media is more about growing your audience. The cultivating is going to happen naturally. The growing, you have to be actively seeking. Yeah, that is great advice. I love those three points. And let me just point something out based on something that you said there. If you think about the last time that you as a listener or you, Elsie, purchased something of substantial price, you did your research via the internet before you made that purchase. That's just what we do these days. We don't depend on salespeople to tell us what we need to know about products and services. We figured out ourselves and we typically show up at the store or we show up on the website knowing pretty much what we want and why we want it. People are doing that regarding social media when it comes to podcasting as well. When they're looking for a show to listen to or something new to add to their podcast player, they are doing their homework. They're checking things out and social profiles are one of the places they're going to do that. So imagine, like Elsie said, they show up on your social profile and as she said, you don't even mention you have a podcast. You just lost someone right there who could have become a potential interested listener in your show and the things that you talk about. Same thing with that visual branding. I think that's just beautifully said, Elsie. It goes right together to present something to those people who are now digesting content for themselves to make decisions for themselves without any kind of marketing that we really need to take advantage of that practice that people are doing as podcasters and make it easy for them to not only understand who you are, but understand what it is that you podcast about. I mean, would you agree that that's where it's all going? Oh my gosh, yes. And so this is one thing that I am a stickler about. You have to do this for all of the places that you have accounts for, meaning you need to be this specific to all of them. 
whatever you as a podcaster or as a, as a podcast, because there's a lot of people who only have accounts for their podcast, wherever it is that you have an actual account, you do this. That doesn't mean that you have to be present there. So this is where I vary from a lot of, you know, like that Pat Flynn's and be everywhere kind of thing. Yeah, essentially you are everywhere. Like there are people who, as long as you have, like say Twitter, you hate it. Let's say you hate Twitter. It's just not, you're not a Twitter person. You're not going to go. It's just not going to happen. You hate it. Have an account. Have your branding. Have your description. Have a link to where you want them to go. And then pin a very strategic post at the top of your account. Get a little deeper. Show them that they can find you in all these different places, like why you started podcasting. Make a thread. Make a thread that gives everybody the exact information of what they want you to do. And how about this? You can even say, I don't really like Twitter. I really love to be on Facebook. You can follow me here. And pin it to the top of your account. And then be done with it. But... If somebody is on Twitter and they come into your account, they can find out all about you and go, oh, I really want to connect with them. I, okay, I'll go follow them on Facebook. And if they don't care, they don't care, but they can still listen to your show without having that be on Twitter, right? So it really is kind of passive. You can do the same type of thing inside of Instagram. Now that they have, you could do an Instagram story sharing the same type of information. Use the insights, you know, the highlights that you can now put right at the top of your profile and then make strategic ones, how to subscribe to the show. These are my shows about me or whatever, and put it right on the top and then send them to wherever it is that you want to go. Maybe you're not going to be on Instagram. Fine, but they can still see these highlights. They can find out who you are. You're done. Same thing on Facebook. Facebook has now the ability to tell your story, in quote, not necessarily Instagram stories or Facebook stories in the way that I'm talking about, but they actually have this little extra area where you can write your story. And it's sort of like a mini blog post and you can add a header image and you can add images and you can write have um, hyperlinks and things like that. You can write your story in there. And if you hate Facebook, Write your story, tell them what you're about, and tell them that you're not going to be on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. You can find me here. The end. And the reason that this is important is because these platforms have a lot of SEO, especially when you're just starting. Let's say you just started your podcast and you have a URL. Most of the time, that URL is going to take a while to kind of rank inside of Google. And sometimes your social media profiles are actually going to rank higher than your website. So what we want is for whoever's searching for you to find your profile, find everything they need to know, and then go where you want them to. Maybe you want them to go to your website. Great. That's where the perfect place to go is right there to have that link. Or maybe you want them to subscribe to the show. Well, then peachy. You know, share your Apple podcast link and have that be your link. So you get to make those decisions, but you have to optimize it so that people can find you. Yeah, good points. Elsie, I've got two more questions for you. One is a question you told me to ask you. What in that video is not true anymore? Yeah, so actually in the video that um, Corey's going to share, and I think I've updated it already in the Trello board, there is a part where I mention iTunes somewhere in there at that time, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. And I say one of the places that you need to optimize for searchability is via your author tag <laughs> or your yeah. title of your show. Yeah, where I about men- this. Yes, <laughs> where I mentioned in that video that in order to optimize your show being found, you can add qualifiers to your title 
or to your author tag. So if people are searching for, let's say you have a, you know, a show about apple pies, but your apple pie show is not called apple pie show, it's called grandmother's favorite. <laughs> you know, grandmother's favorite is the name of your show and then you would qualify it with like apple pies, cookies and muffins, right? Well, you can no longer do that because Apple Podcast is very, very, very adamant right now at having any any language inside of either your title or your author tag that is beyond the title itself, beyond your name, as in like Elsie Escobar, Apple Maker, Apple Pie Maker. Like you cannot have that anymore. It's just going to have to be your name, the end, because they are kicking you out of Apple Podcasts slash iTunes if you have any of that, which they call keyword stuffing. So that is in the video. And I don't want you to do that because that's no longer relevant. So yeah. I needed to clarify that. Yeah, that's why uh, podcasts like this and like the feed that you and Rob publish every other week are so vital for people to subscribe to and listen to because the, the podcasting space is changing all the time. And you'll get a best practice one year or one particular month that becomes a worst practice the very next month. Yeah. Because the big dogs like Apple change their rules or begin to enforce their rules, whichever it may be. Which is whichever it is. I know. That's yeah. So, so yeah, that's a great point. And I appreciate you bringing clarity to that. One last question that I, I wanted to ask you is social media seems to be the one place most of us think about when we think about promoting our show. I think it's because it's so accessible to all of us and we know that everybody's on it and it just seems like a natural fit. I've heard people recommend that when you're sharing things on social media, you do kind of an 80-20 split where 80% of what you share is not your content. It's other stuff. It's other people's posts. It's interesting things you've seen or maybe a funny photo that you see or something like that. And then 20% of it should be your content, you know, shared in appropriate ways because you don't want to be that guy or gal who's always on social media going, hey, I have a podcast. Did you know I have a podcast? Listen to my podcast. Here's the latest episode of my podcast. Can you subscribe to my podcast? You don't want to be that person. And I think that's what the 80-20 split that people talk about is pointing toward, is getting you away from that. I'm curious if you subscribe to that 80-20 split idea or if maybe your numbers are a little different if you do subscribe to something like that. What's your response there? I guess if I were to qualify the content that we do put on in social media, at least for Lipson, it is almost exactly what you just mentioned. It is, there is an element of maybe it'll be like 30-70, where mm. the, a lot of the content that I put out there is podcasting related, right? I mean, all of it is, I think. Very little is not podcasting related. About 30% of that content is Lipson specific. So my goal there is to make sure that you know about all the things. So yes, I, I do agree with that. So through Libsyn, I do absolutely do that for my own self. And also with the people, the women that I mentor, what I use, and I have a, a, a like kind of a little private podcast that my, the women of the E-League, which are part of my mentorship group, that they listen to when they are part of the E-League. And it is called the E-League Essentials. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, and so these are essential principles that I put out that will help you make decisions because this is what I, I'm all about, that will make you make decisions to empower your own impact in the space. So it's not like I'm giving you solutions here. But one of the episodes 
is about your conversation, finding your conversation. And what I mean by that is what are those things that you are constantly talking about, the things that you can't shut up about, the things that are always in your head, the things that are making you angry that you wish somebody would take care of, the things that are so inspiring to you that you had to make a podcast about, what is that conversation? And so when you find that conversation, then when you find content online that you find incredibly appealing, it actually aligns with your conversation. So it's not that you're promoting yourself, it's that you're promoting essentially your point of view and what you're about. So there's a lot of stuff like that's what I do with my Twitter feed. My Twitter feed is all about podcasting advocacy. It's all about women's empowerment. It's about getting diverse voices in the space. And even though it's not specific to podcasting, what's going on culturally around is for me a mirror to what is possible for us. And one of the things that I'm really that something that I lead with all the time is that I do not want to replicate existing media models that are no longer serving us. That is the key conversation that I want to bring forward. I do not want to replicate it in podcasting. I do not want to just do that when it's no longer culturally relevant anymore. So anytime that I see anyone, whether podcasting or not, doing something which is breaking those paradigms, which is establishing new ways of doing things in media, I'm going to share that. And that's my conversation. So therefore, it's not just about me. It's not like, ooh, listen to my show, listen to what I have to say, work with me. Like, it's not that. It's I lead with my conversation. And those people that resonate with that are going to then want to work with me. And that's how I get clients. So yes, I do market. I do market my stuff. Of course I do. But I don't lead with that marketing. I lead with my conversation with the story that I want to be told. And therefore, it appeals to somebody else's story that is kind of like the one that I want. And then they go, oh, I want to work with her. She speaks Spanish. She's in podcasting. She's done all of these different things. She has this point of view. She's a yoga teacher. She has a, you know, there's a lot of people that come to me because like one woman that I just worked with, she was like, I haven't found anybody in the podcasting space that understood my, like she's an Ayurvedic practitioner and I know Ayurveda, which is the science part of yoga. And I studied Ayurveda a long time ago. So I know what she's about and I can speak to her from that place. So that's a very unique kind of synergistic thing where it's, I know not not only can I help you with your podcast, but I can, I also know what you're talking about and I can help you also expand that message. That is great. I love the word you use, resonate, because what you're doing is you're you're publishing things on social media, not your own content, but it resonates with both the message you care about and most likely, if you're doing this the right way, the things that your key avatar resonates mm-hmm. with, you know, the person Absolutely. you're trying to reach. And so your your message is consistent and you're going to wind up in the middle of conversations and places where those people are. Because you're focused so much on the same message. I just I just love that. Well, Elsie, thanks so much for your time today. We could talk forever. There's just so much to this. Yeah. And maybe we'll just we'll just have you back and talk about this again. I know, you guys, you need to email, give them some feedback, ask them some questions, and then maybe I can come back and get yeah, into some of exactly. this stuff. Exactly. Yeah, let's do that. If you have specific questions you'd like to ask Elsie, we could definitely set that up. So you can send those to me at Carrie C A R E Y at podcastfasttrack.com. 
And I would love to put those into a sheet, send them Elsie's way, and we could do another recording. That is it, Elsie. I, I wish we could just keep talking, but thanks so much for your time. And thanks so much for your contributions to the podcasting space. She is a podcast hall of famer, by the way, if you didn't oh. know that. Um, so you just <laughs> well, have to know. You. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, so you can check that out. So Elsie, uh, thanks so much. Thank you. Wow, Elsie is just a fire hydrant of enthusiasm, isn't she? She has got so much experience and so much to share. I love her approach to social media. I love that she thinks strategically in terms of each platform. I love that she's able to think in terms of exposure and impact, not just flooding the airways or the social media channels with everything you have to say. She's savvy about it. She's smart about it. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have her on this episode of Podcastification. I would love to hear what you think about this episode with Elsie Escobar, Hall of Fame podcaster. You can reach out to me, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at podcastfasttrack.com. Or you can tag me on social media. Use the hashtag podcastification. And I will see that and we will interact about your comments on this episode. That's all I've got for today. You know what time it is. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show. Hey, if you've listened this long, you must be a real podcastification fan. I wanted to let you know, coming up in the next few episodes, we're beginning a new type of episode on this show called Podcaster Stories. These are narrative interview stories from people you may know or may not know, but whose podcast has had a dramatic effect on their life and on their pursuits in business and entrepreneurial endeavors. I want you to hang around. Podcaster Stories are coming up really soon.